What up, podcast listeners? I am hanging out with Jackie Herms on this amazing episode of the Map Action Show. Jackie is just phenomenal. She uh, had a lot of success in the corporate world, was not afraid of getting involved in the corporate world, now runs a badass, amazing software marketing firm. She's an investor. She's a speaker. She's growing her company. Uh, and she is just somebody who I've really, really enjoyed following along uh, on everything she does on LinkedIn, um, but also just in the business that she's building, the impact that she's having. I think she is just a phenomenal leader. And I think anybody who's actually trying to learn how to become a true marketer in the world, uh, she's one to follow. She offers tips, tricks, advice all over the place with her business, but also just on LinkedIn and the personal side too. And so I would just highly, highly, highly recommend anybody to follow along with Jackie and all the cool things that she's doing as well. Jackie, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Jackie, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to chat. Where, uh, where in the world are you recording from? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, so, you know, we're recording, like, obviously we like to make these podcasts timeless, but just for reference, we're recording like early March. Are you warm? Are you cold? How are you feeling today? I'm always cold. So uh, I think <laughs> so it doesn't matter if it's a beautiful day in July, you're feeling that way anyways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was actually, I was in Arizona last September maybe, and it was like 90 degrees and everyone's like, oh, it's too hot. And it was just perfect for me. It's like 52 degrees here and I'm still rocking my big winter parka and gloves and stuff. So <laughs> You you try to avoid sending a lot of emails because you know you get the uh, you get the glove f- finger syndrome. I call it fat finger sing- syndrome. I'm not going to say that about you, but I you know overly tight. But it's it, it it's the problem for you because of the gloves. <laughs> yeah, I have big long nails, so that's the real problem. Is I'm constantly making typos, and I do have my space heater running right now, so yeah, I'm always freezing. <laughs> Love that. Love that. So, um, you know, let's just get to like the easy questions. Like, tell me the whole life story all in like, you know, 20 minutes. Ooh, wow. That's a very specific question. <laughs> <laughs> very, very generic, very focused. As a marketer yourself, that's probably the worst question in the world to ask. But, I love uh... it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, where do you, where do you want me to start? As far back as you want to go, and I'm going to pepper you with questions throughout it. So I guess you get to set the tone of where I'm asking questions. Hmm. I'm going to start with professional career, and we can go back further than that if you want to. But um, I graduated college, I remember, and started my career at G Healthcare. And I was kind of, I think I was conditioned when I was younger to really want stability. And I never saw myself being an entrepreneur at all. Is that is that like a family background thing? Is that, uh, yeah. what, what, what do you think was the pressure of that? Well, my dad never, I'm the first person in my family that went to college. And I think that my dad specifically really felt like not going to college kind of held him back in life, where he had a lot of aspirations to, you know, like really make something of himself. And, and he did. I mean, he was like locally involved in politics for many, many years. He was an air traffic controller. He's a pilot. He was a lobbyist, um, helping lobby for 
rights for air traffic controllers. I mean, he's done it all, and but he thought that he could have done more if he went to college. And so it was always ingrained in me, you must go to college, you must go for, I mean, I, at that, at the time I like wanted to be an artist and there was no way that was going to fly. Um, you know, and I ended up going to get my MBA just because the value of education in, you know, like making something of yourself was really ingrained in me, which is interesting because I don't know if that's exactly still true. It'll be weird. It's, you know, when my kids start asking these questions. Real, real quick question on that. So you, uh, your dad felt like he was maybe held back or limited by not going to college, but it sounds like you're, maybe I'm going to make an assumption or draw a conclusion that's not fair, but sounds like you may have looked up to him a bit. What, what, was there something more that he wanted to do that he couldn't? Uh, I don't know. I know just what you wanted. Like you want this to be like a, you know, psychoanalyst <laughs> session, that, you know, that, the whole point of all this, right? I love it. I <laughs> I don't think it was specifically something more that he wanted to do, but I think that he felt it was harder for him to do everything because he didn't go to college. And you know what? I think that is still true in that if you're not going to go, it is going to be harder to get a job. It's going to be harder to, I mean, unless you're going to hop out of high school and start a business. And even then, if you're 18 with no business experience, that's going to be hard too. So uh, like my son is 10 and he's already saying, I was just looking at his Invest account today. And I was like, I'm going to stop contributing to this because there's already quite a bit of money in there. And frankly, he's already 10 and saying he's not going to college. And, and I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, I'm, he has the option. He's going to be an adult at that time and it's going to be up to him, but I am going to make it very clear to him that he's going to need to work his little butt off if he is not going to go. I love that. I love that. Um, were you so so you're you're you were the first person in your family that went to college. Was that just assumed? Like, was it you have no other option? You're going to college because we didn't go. So you need to like, how, how was that dynamic? I think it was assumed by my parents, but also so ingrained that I didn't even think about it. I hmm. there was never a thought that crossed my mind that said I wouldn't go to college. Did your mom uh, did your mom work, too? She is a hairstylist. Yeah. So she went to college for a little bit. I mean, she's an artist, really. Like she creates the most beautiful art and that translated into doing hair as a career for her. But, you know, she went to beauty school, but I don't think that she felt it that same way. You know, like she's doing something that she absolutely loves still every day. Um, so, you know, I'm really happy for her. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you wanted to be an artist. Was this, uh, was this uh, like, traditional art as far as like paintings or was this mu like music? What, I mean, talk about the most uneducated question when it comes to like, you know, the fine <laughs> art, but what, what kind of art did you actually want to go into or what kind of artist did you want to be? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty traditional where I was doing a lot of like watercolor painting and I was doing some sculpting and stuff like that. Um, I did it a lot in high school and I took a lot of classes into college. I ended up, I was really into fashion starting at like 10 years old. I was just looking at some old pictures recently at all the weird things I used to do to my hair. And God damn, that girl had some style. Come on now. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it would be considered. Honestly, I looked in middle school like Gen Z does now. 
So I guess <laughs> it is style. Um, yeah. But, you know, I was always like really into experimenting in that way. And then I started going into some costume design courses in college and like making costumes for the productions that were happening and stuff like that. But then I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I know it was a process of, to, you know, talking to my family about how I can apply that artistic background in a little bit more predictable way, you know, or predictable to, to make money, that is, because it's not always easy to, you know, the term starving artist, I guess, is around for a reason. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm going to bring up an esoteric question that we're probably going to revisit towards the end of the show. But do you think, um, knowing what you know today, uh, do you think uh, entrepreneurs are artists? Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I do too. I think that for some, that's a very unfair question because that was really biased for me to ask. But yeah. I, 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 I think I think so too. For some, though, I think it's more of a science, and for me, it's more of an art. Actually, I think some it pisses off, doesn't piss off, but it frustrates some of my leadership team sometimes because I see it as more of an art, and I operate based off of my ideas and my gut feelings and research where, you know, like my head of client services, she's got a spreadsheet for everything. And she, she doesn't want to hire based on how an employee is feeling about their capacity. She wants to know that and what the numbers tell her where I have always operated much more off my gut. So uh, luckily I've surrounded myself with people who kind of keep me in check, but I keep them in check too. Yeah, I like that a lot. So, starting starving artists, you're not gonna you're not gonna go down that path. So, what was the uh, what was the natural transition for a pure creative all of a sudden jumping into the uh, quote unquote steady world? Yeah, you know, I I kind of thought I would hate it, and I kind of loved it. I not the, <laughs> this I, ought to be. I, I have no idea what you're about to say, but this ought to be really good. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm not the person that hated corporate and was like, I mean, I'm pretty unemployable, but for some reason they kept me around in corporate. Like, I mean, I was always trying to bust out of all the structures. Even at GE, I started there as an intern and I was always looking for ways to change the structure of things around me. That continued into my corporate career where you know, I, I was always like vying for the next opportunity. I was asking for raises at every turn. Anytime I thought it was possibly appropriate, I was able to probably more than double my salary while I was at the company before I started Excelity um, within four years, because I just kept asking. And honestly, every time I was like, am I going to get fired? I don't really know. But I kind of think I made it my own. And that's why I liked the process if you will. So if you were if you were the CEO of a major corporate company today, do you actually believe you would have been unemployable or do you think you were just different than what the traditional people think of uh, your falling into corporate line was? I did not fall into line in corporate and I kind of fought that, but I don't think that would make me unemployable fully. I mean, listen, if Excelity shut down tomorrow, I think that I could go and be a really great VP of marketing or CMO at any kind of company. I think I'd be very good at it. Now, that's not to say that I'm going to, you know, fall in line with whatever they want me to do. But I think a lot of great leaders push the envelope in a number of different ways. Yeah. And that's that's why I wanted to push you a bit on that, because like in one sense, I know 
if you're a business owner, naturally, you're probably going to break a lot of corporate rules. But as far as your skill set of what you're really good at, so, you know, in, in your own words, VP of marketing or CMO, like, I bet you were actually really, really, really good and really valuable to that corporate company. You just push the envelope in ways that traditional corporate people never thought. And that's why they didn't become entrepreneurs. Because I've always asked myself the same question of like, I kind of think I'm a walking liability a lot of the time, but also... <laughs> Like if I was in a boardroom, I probably would ask the questions that nobody was willing to ask, but need, but needed to be asked because that's just kind of how I, like, I, I enjoy that. But, um, I, there's probably some things I would say that probably shouldn't be repeated. So I get that too. <laughs> yeah, I, You know what? I still do that. And I'm still, I'm trying to teach my team to do the same thing. So, I mean, they come to me and negotiate all the time and they're like, well, you taught me this. And I'm like, absolutely. I did. And I respect you for doing it. So, but it still occasionally pisses me off when you do it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's definitely a little annoying when you're like, I'm giving you a really great raise. And they're like, I want more. And I'm like, mm, damn it. I did this to myself, didn't I? But yeah. I mean, I don't know, respect. I think not enough people, especially most of my team is women. Women are not taught to ask for the things that they want. And I think that's something that we need to change. I like that a lot. Yep. Yep. Um, so you jumped into corporate, then what's next? I jumped into corporate at GE, and then I went to a company called Zywave, which was, it was about a $40 million company when I started. When I started, they had actually just been acquired by a private equity company. So it, like, massive changes happened over the next few years, which is what gave me the opportunity to run their marketing department when I was 25 years old. Um, you know, I mean, P, private equity companies have a, a reputation that's often true where they come in and... They're, they're not only growing companies, but they're preparing them for an eventual sale. So they want the less expensive labor, you know, doing things that typically, you know, a more expensive executive would do. So I think a lot of people really hated that situation, but I thrived in it because it gave me the opportunity to step into roles that frankly, I never would have had the opportunity unless I was in that situation. So let me let me double click on your comment because I, I I brushed over it for a hot second because I wanted to bring it back up at a different point. But uh, women don't typically ask for what they want or what they deserve in the business world. Do you, in your experience, do you think that's what what propelled you or progressed you so quickly through number one the corporate world and also the ruthless private equity like gender aside, but just private equity world is pretty ruthless. And mm -hmm. so do you think the fact you, you excelled so well in that because you weren't afraid to ask for what you deserve or what you wanted, or even if it was just pushing the tempo to put feelers out, is that? Yeah. 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 I mean, half the, it wasn't even what I deserved. It was always about what I wanted. Cause frankly, I, love that. I didn't deserve half the shit that I got out of the, any situation, but I mean, I took advantage of every situation I could. There was one summer when I was basically an entry level employee still at this company. And I found myself in the elevator with the CEO over and over and over again. And so I use that as an opportunity to get to know him so that he knew who I was when I applied to be the head of their marketing department, which at the time I was completely unqualified for. Actually, I competed against a member of my team who's still on my team who had been in their marketing department for a few years um, for the position. And we just, I mean, we went head to head and interviewed for it. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever been about what I deserve, but about what I want and what I know I can do. So when uh, when when I asked the question, has anybody actually ever given an elevator pitch? Jackie literally has done that. <laughs> uh, I wasn't necessarily pitching, but I will say you're pitching yourself, though. Yeah, I mean, I was probably one of the only 22, 23 year old employees that that CEO knew in a company of what eventually became 400 people. So I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. So jump into the PE world, you kick some ass, you uh, are not afraid to uh, live the cutthroat, you know, uh, PE backed company vision. W- what's next for you? Well, we we ended up we were at about $40 million. We ended up growing to about 80 through acquisitions, which was really crazy and fun to be a part of. And then one day the company announced that they were selling off half the business and they were just splitting all the departments down the middle. And my department was tiny to begin with. We had like a hundred salespeople and three marketing people. And I was just, I knew I did not want to stick around through that to, to me, it felt like taking a step back where I was only looking forward. So I ended up, I had been doing a little bit of freelancing on the side anyway at that time. And I just left and told them I was ready to go and start my own thing. Um, I mean, I didn't have nearly enough clients to do that in, in a, you know, on paper, but <laughs> I did it anyway. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I, I have always done well under pressure and I had a family to support. I had a baby and I was like, if I'm going to make this thing happen, you know, I know I'm going to work my butt off because it's, it's not just about me. So that was March of 2013. No, May of 2013. So Jackie, if there's any story that I want the world to hear is that uh, there's nothing like true life pressure because I found now I don't have kids. I'm not married. I have not been through that. So I, I can't even begin to relate to what that's like. But the one thing I know is that I to, in my own sense, perform way better under pressure. And as an entrepreneur, when you actually have like back against the wall, you figure it out no matter what. You just find a way to make it happen. And that's something that I, I think so many people don't understand is that like, they, at least this is my hypothesis. So many people are looking for the perfect reason to jump into something because that rationally makes sense. But when you when you actually have the world pressure behind you, Somehow, I think that's what makes the greatest businesses exist, or at least the greatest people who learn a few lessons and maybe a business closes and they launch something else or whatever it may be. But I think um, that lesson I want from you, I want to shout to the mountains because that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I think that we as entrepreneurs kind of have the duty to put ourselves in situations that create that pressure and that challenge because none of this is a cakewalk. And if it is, you're kind of doing it wrong, honestly. Oh my gosh, yeah. You have no idea what we have no idea what stress is like until you're awake from two to five every morning for like six months straight. In there, yep. <laughs> oh yeah, and I know, I know, I know you can relate, and probably so many different. I mean, in 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 yeah, you've been through the path, and you've been through the ringer, and once once you go through that, number one, you just have so much res- more respect for people who have, and number two, it's just like there's no perfect time to do it. You just need to. Yeah, I agree. So you launch your company, you have a family to support, somehow you make it through and you do it all. Uh, number one, fir- first question is, uh, 
what does Jackie have that nobody else has? And number two, um, what do you think was your like, I don't really believe in luck, but maybe, maybe, maybe your like moment that just happened to come your way. So question number one is, what does Jackie have that's special to Jackie? And number two, uh, what, what was like the, the stroke of good fortune that happened for you? Yeah. Like have in what sense? Um, well, one of the questions I ask at the end is, Jackie, let's say you and I have a conversation for an hour, okay? And let's say we never talk again. And let's say you get to pick the exact impact that you had on my life. What do you think you possess that may be unique to you that you get to bring to the world? And maybe, and, and specifically for this question, the business world and your company. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Tracking with me? Yeah, I mean... It's a super easy question, I know. It's just like softball. <laughs> I think that when we're, if we're looking at like characteristics or things that I do that other people don't, I think that my drive is unmatched and that that has led me a lot of places because I'm not afraid to absolutely bust my ass to get something done. I'm not afraid to say I can do something and then go ahead and figure out how to do it. So... I mean, the risk is not a bad thing to me, and I don't really see any restrictions in front of me, if that makes sense. So, it's a beautiful way to say what, what I wish I would have been able to say for a long time. <laughs> well, thank you. And wait, what was the second question? No, I completely forgot. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the second question myself. But I think, oh, yeah. What would you say is like, so I, I you may believe in luck. I, I don't necessarily know. I think you can kind of create your own luck. But I think every entrepreneur story, there's typically like a um, a good a good stroke of fortune that just happened, or the right client closed at the right time, or back was against the wall, and then this happened. What would you say was like the the maybe the right right way to say it is like the turning point of like getting the business off the ground? Yeah, I mean, I think luck is. A, a, Luck is definitely part of being successful. It's a it's a recipe of being patient, being consistent, working hard, and I think you have to get lucky in order to build a company to to the size that I have. I mean, I have stood in front of at 20, I don't know, 26, 27 years old, largely unqualified for what I was pitching and stood in front of entrepreneurs who had exited multiple companies and somehow been hired. To me, that's there has to be an element of luck in there. And I'm sure there are a lot of other things. It was about the people who got me in there or the people that I knew at the time or whatever other connections I was able to make. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those guys he was this the CEO of G Healthcare in Asia. Then he built and sold a SaaS company. Then he brought me in for his second SaaS company. And now he just acquired another one and brought us in again. I mean, the idea that I had met him maybe eight times and that he finally remembered who I was and then somehow wanted to work with us. Yeah, I mean, I think it's we bring a lot of value. And I know my company is absolutely awesome at what we do, but there's always an element of luck. I like that a lot. Um, on that question, so you've been hired by some people who have started and sold multiple tech companies, and uh, for some reason they saw something in you. When you look at the people that you've hired or will hire, do you have uh, maybe one or two qualities that you can't write down on a resume that you look for? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, being really persistent and hardworking and the ability to just look at any situation and figure it out is huge. Most of my leadership team members started as individual contributors and marketers, and now they are running client services. They're running operations. That's something that they don't teach you, um, you know, like how to transform into three different roles in five years. That's something that I think is within someone is ability to be flexible, persistent, and always learning at the same time. So, uh, you know, if you figure out how to interview people for the ability to just go and figure things out, well, let me know. <laughs> Welcome to Wedge. I'm just kidding. Um, so, so tell me more about the exact, your, well, tell the audience. I know, I know a bit about it because of course you mentioned persistent. Mikey is not afraid to be persistent. So we, we get, we get the pitch often and I love your business and I, I'm excited to uh, have the conversation about working with you guys. So t- tell me, tell me more, tell the audience more about what your company does. Yeah, we work with um, B2B SaaS and B2B service startups and scale-ups. So usually that is sometimes even companies that haven't launched yet but are funded and ready to launch a new product or service up to usually around $30, $40 million. Some of those are private equity owned, just like my background. Um, And we're working with them to help them get to revenue and grow faster. So that's a mix of digital marketing strategies, a little bit of sales strategies some sales enablement. Um, Every engagement is a little bit different, but we work with some really, really fun and interesting clients. So if the perfect organization walks right in the door for you, what would you say has been some of the most fun ones or ones that you guys know that you can offer the most amount of value to? I love working with the startups that are either launching a new product or launching for the first time um, because those strategies are really fun to advise on and you can see your impact and your result on on their strategy right away, right? Like if you run the launch of a new product and it flops, well, you know, the marketing kind of sucked, right? Um, But if it goes well and you're able to drive a bunch of traffic and opportunities, I mean, you can see the actual money that you're making for these companies. And that's really freaking cool for anyone who's worked at a bigger company or worked in corporate. It's very hard to not get lost in the shuffle and the sea of people that are all working to make an impact. Um, I think just those smaller companies where we have a direct impact are really fun to work with. I actually never even thought about asking this question, but I'm going to now. So you said you actually enjoyed working for, um, in it, well, you enjoyed, you didn't hate your experience in the corporate world. So you owning a business, you, uh, advising and working with startups to the corporate world. What's the, uh, the, the joys of, of some and the, the, uh, the overly glamorous versions of the others? So can you rephrase that? I'm sorry. I don't know if I completely understand. So you liked, most people hate, hate talking about corporate companies or working in corporate companies. So what would you say is like what you enjoyed about it? And maybe maybe some some reasons why you didn't like it. To you own a business, what would be? Everybody wants to own a business because they want to make tons of money and you know have flexibility in their jobs. And you and I both know that's not real. But yeah. what 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 is that like? Versus you're also an advisor to startups. And what would you say is like the beautiful, amazing parts about startups, and also like the overly glamorized. Uh, the world world says there's nothing ever wrong. You should always work in startups, and why that maybe not be true. 
Yeah. Oh God. Does that make sense? Where do I start? Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say, uh, and queue up the next three hours of podcast. Let's get it going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll keep it short. So in corporate, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people really crap on corporate life now because entrepreneurship has become this quote unquote sexy thing, you know, with Instagram and social media where you see all these people that are making money on the internet and living anywhere and all that stuff, which is realistic for some, but unrealistic for most. Um, I mean, corporate, I think, offers people not only stability, but a path to take their career because when you're getting started in your career, especially it can be really hard to even dream up where you want to go or where you can end up eventually. And you get access to people who have been in their roles for a long time, many of whom are very successful. And I think if you can take advantage of that, it's a really, really great part of being in corporate. And it gave me a lot of ideas that I never would have had otherwise. Now, there, I mean, there are still a lot of downsides of being in corporate. I had micromanagers that I really did not like working under because I have never liked being closely monitored. Go figure. I'm sure you couldn't have guessed that one. So that was, that was part of it. Um, I think it can be easy to become disengaged in your job in corporate and it's kind of your job to keep yourself engaged or to let your manager know that you're disengaged. Um, I also think that communication is something that most corporations can work on where it's not really happening throughout the organization and it especially doesn't happen upward. Um, it usually happens downward. So that's something we focus on except at Excelity. Yeah, I love that. Then let's see. I mean, growing my business and startups, I would say is very similar. So I'm going to group those two questions together where I think there's a lot of perks, just like we talked about. You can make immediate impact within the company and with clients, which is really cool. Um, That's the same thing in a startup. You know, every early employee counts for a lot. Hiring the right people matters. And when you are the right person in the right seat, you can really feel your impact in a company. And I think that's really cool. Um, A lot of startups have more casual environments, which frankly, I think is where most companies should be going right now. Our environment is outrageously casual and it's just gotten more so during COVID, which I think is cool. But then there's also everyone thinks owning a startup is sexy and no one talks about, you know, the nights that you're awake from two to 5am or all of the stress and pressure that it puts on you or the times that you have to choose to pay your people or pay yourself. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's not as cool as you think it is. And frankly, I think I could probably go and get hired as a CMO somewhere and make more money than I pay myself right now. And that is, that's not, in alignment with what a lot of people think about becoming an entrepreneur. So it's not always, you know, don't believe everything you see on the gram. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's true in so many different ways. And especially the business. And I I'm with you, the, the jobs that I thought about, I could go get or a private equity company I could go work for in sales or whatever it may be. Like I, I I've realized there's times that like I probably could do better financially, but you also stop and realize like, that's not what this is for. Like, yes, I maybe an assumption for you and you can push back, but yes, there's money to be made and yes, that's exciting. But at the same time, there's a much bigger impact beyond just the finances of being an entrepreneurship, being an entrepreneur that I think are uh, so, so much more worth it. So I, uh, I love those answers. Those are awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Um, so, okay. Um, if you guys could come alongside a, a company and 
have the greatest impact that you would want to have on that business? What would you want it to be? Hmm. I mean, if we can help a company get started from scratch or from a place where they don't really know what they're doing to seeing measurable impact via, via traffic, via filling up their CRM, via, you know, sales opportunities and, and money revenue. That's what I want to see. At the end of the day, everything comes down to money for me. So it's, I mean, it's nice to see some of the leading indicators, but to me, that's where, where we can make the biggest impact. I like that a lot. Um, so transitioning into my favorite question in the whole world, and uh, you can take this in any different direction via business, via, uh, uh, you just said, do you have one kid or multiple? Three. <laughs> via your three kids, via any, any, any direction you want to take this. But my favorite question in the world is uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Ooh, that's a good question. Frankly, during this pandemic, it's been a heck of a lot harder. My husband was <laughs> making fun of me last night because I was like, well, one, I am not a super early morning person. I'm not like, oh, I get up at 5 a.m. and work out for two hours. <laughs> I do 5 a.m., the yoga, you know, the, the spiritualness, the coffee, the homemade. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> Everybody relax. <laughs> I am not an early morning person. I do get my workout in every day, but it's not always at the same time. So last night I'm going to bed at like 11.15 and I'm like, okay, how can I get eight hours of sleep and also get up and get my workout in before my first meeting. And my husband was like, Psh, it'll take you half an hour to even get out of bed. And frankly, <laughs> some, some days it does. And I, I think everyone says like, Oh, the time you waste getting out of bed or on Instagram or watching Netflix. And it's like, whatever, this pandemic has been tough for everyone. It's harder than ever for me to get out of bed. Um, I do it cause I know I have to, and people depend on me. And some days I feel like shit or bad things have happened in the company or, you know, there's family drama or whatever it may be. And I don't want to get out of bed, but I have to. And I know that there are people counting on me and I will never let them down. I think that I, I have somehow, thankfully, I have the habit that I, I always follow through on the things that I say I do, I'm going to do. And I have to get out of bed in the morning to do it. So I don't know if that's the answer you're expecting, but that's it. <laughs> Me, it's like one of the actually most like raw and inspiring answers because you always hear the people who are like, I mean, we kind of joked about it, but the, the, the 5 a.m. morning workouters or the people that are, you know, relentless about you know, they, they live the perfect life and blah, 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 blah. But then also like the rawness of just like, you know, there's plenty of days that I don't want to get out of bed in the morning and hearing that from somebody who I look up to and respect and vicariously live through in the business that you're running. <laughs> I, just, I just want to say that, that number one, that, uh, that encourages me because there's plenty of days I don't want to get out of bed. And number two, it's just, it's just real and raw and I like it a lot. So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so for people that want to, uh, reach out to the business, for people that want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to either get a hold, follow along this, that, and the other of the famous Jackie? I probably spend, well, as you know, I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, so that, that's a good place to find me. Uh, I'm in the DMS there and I try to respond to as much as I can. So definitely hit me up there or you can always check out Excelity's website as well. Love that. Jackie, anything else you want to leave the audience with? I don't think so. This was an awesome conversation. Uh, I don't know that I've ever quite been on a podcast with this format and it was great. So, so, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much. And Jackie, seriously, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Thank you for the leader that you are and the world changer that you are. And I'm just excited to follow along with the pro with the progress of your business and you as a person too. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well, too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.